Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Facebook, I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, the Jeffrey Epstein fallout and the deal not being made this week in Sun Valley. But first, public space. So earlier this morning, Virgin Galactic announced it will become the first commercial space company to go public. Or even more specifically, it will be the first commercial space tourism company to go public. As Virgin Galactic isn't really about partnering with NASA to launch satellites or send astronauts to the moon. It wants to rocket ordinary people, albeit very rich ordinary people, into orbit. So this is the decade-old brainchild of Richard Branson, the British billionaire who has a habit of spinning off his companies, and it already has hundreds of customers who have put down a combined $80 million in ticket deposits. The deal itself is nearly as complicated as space travel, as this won't be a garden-variety IPO. Instead, Virgin Galactic plans to go public via something called a reverse merger, and I know your eyes are probably glazing over, but hear me out here. Basically, it gets bought by an already public company called Social Capital Head of Sophia, except Social Capital Head of Sophia isn't really a company, at least how people normally consider a company. It's something called a special purpose or blank check acquisition vehicle, which went public over a year ago with the sole purpose of buying another company. In other words, it doesn't have a product. Its product is the company it buys. Now, if this thing hadn't struck a deal with Virgin Galactic or another company after a few years, Social Capital Head of Sophia would have just wound down and returned its money to shareholders. So this blank check company, this Social Capital Head of Sophia, is led by a guy named Chamath Palayapatiya, a venture capitalist, former Facebook executive, and minority owner of the Golden State Warriors. He'll become chairman of Virgin Galactic, succeeding Richard Branson, and it is Chamath's biggest bet to date, particularly given that he's also investing $100 million of his own money into it. For the for-profit space sector, it'll become the first test of if public investors want to fly. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Space Editor Miriam Kramer. But first, this. If you're going to see ads, you probably want to see ads that feel relevant to you. Personalized advertising is why so much of the internet is free. To learn more, visit facebook.com slash about slash ads. We're joined now by Miriam Kramer, editor of the excellent Axios Space Newsletter. Let's start here. So Virgin Galactic isn't a space company like we think of SpaceX or even Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos' thing. This is basically space tourism, right? Are there other kind of dedicated competitors or is this the only company that only focuses on sending rich people into orbit? So I think that at the moment, this is the company to watch as far as that goes. Blue Origin is trying to play in kind of a similar space with these suborbital rides for, like you said, rich tourists. But Virgin Galactic in general is sort of the company that has been doing this for a while, and they're the ones that most people think will get there first. I spoke with a source who was kind of familiar with this deal today, and what they told me was twofold. One, that you know that one of the, the benefits or, or one of kind of the selling points here of, of Virgin Galactic is that it already does have paying customers. It obviously is still a ways off from sending people up, but they've brought in $80 million in, in kind of ticket deposits, but also that it operates kind of as its own OEM, right? It's not really buying parts from others. It's basically been developing all this stuff itself. From your perspective, does it do a good job of that? And does that actually matter? Yeah, I think it does matter. And I do think that they do a pretty good job of it. I mean, they've had a a couple of notable uh, and one particularly tragic failure in 2014. A a pilot, one pilot died and and another was critically injured in a crash that sort of destroyed their first test vehicle. So that was one particularly bad setback. But since 
since then, they've kind of come back and they've really been showing their stuff. I think they've flown up to sort of the edge of space twice now and have done it beautifully. Uh, and the fact that they can come back, I think, has a lot to do with the, their sort of vertical integration. I mean, they had been working on multiple vehicles at the same time, which sort of Branson's MO when it comes to these spaceflight companies like Virgin Galactic and Virgin Orbit, their small satellite launcher that hopes to launch later this year. I think that it's, it's really benefited them in the long run. Do you have any sense on how involved Branson himself is? This is a guy who's obviously spread. I, I don't even want to say spread thin because he seems to have boundless energy, but but is spread around. He does a lot of different things. He gives up his chairman role as part of this. From your perspective, is he essential to this or is this another case of Branson creating a virgin brand that he successfully spins off and lets other people run? I think that maybe this is, is a clear indication that he's spinning it off and letting someone else run it. They seem to have gotten to a point in their testing that they're pretty confident that they're going to be launching within, I'd say, the next year or so. Branson has stopped making predictions about that because they always tend to be wrong. But I would say it's pretty fair to assume that they will likely fly him in the next year. Is he customer or passenger number one or supposed to be passenger number one? He's supposed to be. So hopefully that'll happen. <laughs> you know, I, I think about this as an investment, right? You know, as a private company, it's one thing and SpaceX is still private and Blue Origin is still private. But, you know, as a public company, this strikes me almost like a biotech deal, almost to a certain extent, like a biotech you know, public offering in, in which you've got prospects for a product that, you know, if successful, lots of people want, you know, a cancer drug or a diabetes drug or whatever. But it's fairly binary. It may simply not work at all. Am I overstating that? No, you're not. Spaceflight is an incredibly risky endeavor, particularly when it comes to human spaceflight. And Virgin Galactic itself has proved that. So I think that this is, in, in general, pretty risk thing that they're doing by going public at this stage. From your perspective, assuming this goes through, and again, this isn't even a traditional IPO, right? Unless there's some sort of major due diligence uh, hang up, th this deal will indeed happen. What, from your perspective, does this mean for the commercial space flight industry at large? Generally, what we're looking at is this expanding industry. I mean, we have all of these companies that are sort of playing in the same space. And we have Virgin Galactic, the first human spaceflight company to go public. This is something that was only in the purview of NASA, you know, like 10 years ago, even. So it's just been this huge boom. And I, I think really it remains to be seen whether the customers are there and whether, you know, this, this might be some kind of bubble. But I think that Virgin Galactic is sort of putting all their eggs in the basket and like saying, okay, we believe that this is going to happen and, and they're trying to make it happen themselves. You mentioned NASA, and this is my own ignorance on this. If you run a small airport or have, say, a private plane or even a, you know, a private commercial airline, you're obviously dealing with the FAA, right? You know, for flight paths and to make sure planes don't crash into each other and all that sort of stuff. Is Virgin Galactic dealing with the FAA? Are they dealing with NASA? And kind of what is their NASA interaction, if any? I'm not totally sure about their NASA interaction. I know that they have flown sort of non-human payloads for them in the past, so they do have some interaction there. But generally, the FAA actually is the one that sort of clears these flights, like the like SpaceX deals with the FAA. Anybody launching off Earth does. They do their own review process and basically open up the airspace for these companies that hope to launch. So the FAA is kind of the, the big umbrella for these kinds of companies. And Miriam, finally, I'm going to ask you an incredibly irresponsible question, which is the following. You're not allowed to buy shares in this company via Axios internal policies. But if you were, would you buy shares of Virgin Galactic when it's possible to do so later this year as an investor? Oh, that, is, that is an irresponsible question. Incredibly irresponsible, <laughs> which is why it's just a yes or a no. Uh, I'm going to say no and leave it at that. Fair enough. Miriam Kramer, editor of Axios Space. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. My final two, right after this. 
Advertisers use ad space as a way to reach people more effectively. And since they know their ads need to be relevant for people to take action, creating more tailored content makes sense. Visit facebook.com about ads to learn more. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the escalating saga of alleged billionaire pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, with a federal indictment being unsealed yesterday that includes uh, just an enormous amount of awful, awful stuff. So two non-legal angles here. First is the business side, with one of the alleged victims claiming she was assaulted in the home of Len Wexner, the CEO of L Brands, which is the parent company of retailers like Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works. Epstein and Wexner have a very deep and long history together, with Epstein having managed Wexner's billions and even once buying one of his homes. L Brand stock, not surprisingly, is down a couple points this morning. Second is the political perspective, and I'm not even talking here so much about how Epstein was buddies with both Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, although those could become problematic. No, it's more about current U.S. Labor Secretary Alex Acosta, who was the U.S. attorney in Miami who gave Epstein a sweetheart deal on the original charges several years ago, even letting him spend his days in his office. Yeah, this is after pleading guilty. He spent his days in his office before heading back to Camp Country Club. Already, there are lots of calls for Acosta to resign or be fired. And The Washington Post's Josh Dossey tweeted that, quote, there was no substantial vetting done on Acosta until after Trump decided to nominate him, end quote. And just to back that up, Axios recently published a large set of leaked vetting docs from the Trump transition, but Acosta's file wasn't there. Finally, today is the beginning of Allen & Company's annual media conference in Sun Valley, where it's invite only and the press is kept at bay by ropes and security. Now, this is often where big mergers and other deals get done, but one of the most obvious targets doesn't seem to be getting much love. That's Spanish language broadcaster Univision, which acknowledged this week that it's seeking a buyer. One major hurdle here is that Univision needs to strike distribution deals with major cable carriers so it doesn't experience another blackout, like it did last year with Dish. But word is that even those agreements, if signed, might not be enough to stoke major interest. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Sugar Cookie Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.